Well, it's that time of the week again. It's your favorite hockey podcast uh, on the dial hockey, the podcast with myself, Derek Alberts, and as always, my co-host, Tyron Jabu-Barnard. How are you doing, Ty? Yeah, Derek, great. Thanks on yourself. Uh, always good to be back here. Always good to be chatting hockey. And of course, um, now in our regular time slot, Tuesday mornings, brought to you straight. Obviously, we're not recording on a Tuesday morning, but... Uh, You'll be listening to this on a Tuesday morning, brought straight to your airwaves every Tuesday. I mean, you can put it in the diary, you can uh, set it as an appointment and uh, have the, the sweet melodic tones of Derek Alberts and Tyrone Jabu Barnard filling your airwaves so early in the morning. Sweet melodic tones, I like that. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt about it. Tuesdays are the best days if you're a massive hockey fan, particularly if you're a massive hockey fan. In South Africa, we bring you the best of the best as far as guests are concerned. We've had some stellar names in the past and we continue to bring them every week uh, to your earlobes. Uh, uh, I'm not even going to go into biology uh, and the rest. But uh, Ty, tell us who is on the cards today. Well, we are fortunate today. We are uh, continuing a little bit of a theme that we've had in recent weeks with uh, completing the brother sets. Um, when we had John Wright and Peter Wright, and of course we cheated and had uh, Lindsay, Lindsay Wright as well. But in one of our very early, early episodes, we interviewed a young man named Billy Ntuli, called Billy Ntuli. And today we are honoured to uh, interview a man who is here fully on his own accord, the one and only Sikle Sigs Ntuli. Sikle, welcome yeah. to the show. Thank you, guys. Been looking forward to this. I was actually, uh, yeah, as, as Tyrone's mentioned, I, I know my brother was uh, on call a couple of weeks, if not months back now. So uh, I was waiting for my turn. So thanks for the invite and uh, looking forward to spending the next couple of minutes with you, Jen. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. <laughs> a couple of minutes. Uh, I don't think, uh, <laughs> I hope you haven't made any plans for the next hour or so because it's certainly not going to be a couple of minutes. Uh, but yeah, it's... No, I- it's, cleared the day, cleared oh, the day. Oh, excellent. <laughs> I'm very glad to hear because, uh, yeah, it, we usually have these things gone for about four or five hours. So, yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's a long stretch as we, uh, the first hour, we'll deal with the first uh, three or four years of your life and then we'll move on from there. <laughs> Sounds like my team talks. So I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, we, we, uh, we have to start in the most obvious place and, and that's in the lockdown. Um, obviously, yeah. not long ago, you moved up from Durban to uh, Pretoria to head up Tux University's hockey program uh, to head up the first team there. Uh, obviously, the lockdown has been a little bit of a, a blow to you. Uh, so, so what has happened to you during lockdown and where are you now? Yeah, um, such a disappointing time, I think, isn't it, uh, for everyone? Uh, but you, you, you correct, Ty. Um, yeah, I made the move up to Pretoria. Uh, beginning of 2019. So this is my second year uh, up north. Loving it. Really, really enjoying the move. Um, find myself in a, in a great environment and, uh, and and just, yeah, the, the, the setup and the players that I, I had the opportunity to work with um, has really, really been awesome and exciting. Um, this year, 2020, the, the plans were, were really busy and we were in for, for quite a, a, a busy schedule uh, with the men's group. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of our players are involved with some of the national teams as well. So the Olympics were on the cards for some of our senior players. 
some of our junior players in the club are part of the under-21 age group, so they had African qualifiers. It was a busy year. Uh, varsity hockey was back on the cards. So, unfortunately, all that has been put on hold for a bit uh, with all the postponements um, under this lockdown. So, yeah, currently... Uh, as a squad, we, we, we've all gone back. we all at home. Uh, I've originally been from Durban. Uh, I'm back in Durban at the moment. For, I've been here for a couple of weeks. But the plan is to get back up to Pretoria in the next two or three weeks uh, with, the, with the return to train uh, protocol being uh, approved recently. So hopefully in the next week or two, we're able to get back onto the pitch and, uh, and start some sort of uh, routine uh, with, with uh, stick and ball. And, and well, I mean, when you say that, you know, get uh, the return to uh, to training. But I mean, what competitive action are you expecting uh, for Tux and uh, you know, even further than that for the under twenty ones this year? Yeah, uh, that's the sad part of it all. Uh, to be honest, a lot of the the competitions have been uh, cancelled for twenty twenty. Uh, so this year, for a lot of uh, you guys that know about varsity hockey, obviously with with, uh, with the men and ladies at Varsity Hockey, it alternates uh, every second year. So this year was the men's turn, uh, which was back in May. That has been cancelled uh, for the year. Uh, under 21 RPT, which is part of our process in terms of selecting and putting a team together for the national under 21 team, has been cancelled this year. Um, leagues across the country have been cancelled. Uh, so this is all competition that, unfortunately, in 2020 has has fallen, has fallen through. The last one we are hoping for uh, to hear feedback on is senior uh, RPT, uh, which is, as, the, as it stands, still on the cards for August. Uh, so that would be the last form of competition, really, that if we we're fortunate to get it in in 2020, yeah, we'd still get that. But at the moment, everything's been uh, cancelled until 2021. So all the work that's currently happening now is... Uh, all planning and preparing for for 2021 now, which is a pity for for some of our of our players because uh, from a varsity setup, some of them are final year students. So you know this was their last year, hopefully. <laughs> um, so they miss out on on that final year of competition at varsity level. Um, some of our under 21 players in the national setup. Uh, fortunately, uh, we've been granted. Uh, so next year's African qualifiers leading up to the Junior World Cup in end of next year has actually been um, changed to an, an under-22 tournament. So our current under-21s who would have been in their final year this year, fortunately, will still get the opportunity to to take uh, part in that tournament next year. That, that's amazing foresight, and I'm glad to hear something along those lines because I, I think to myself, if there's any teams that have been the most affected by the current scourge of COVID-19. It's the age group level teams, particularly the ones that are coming yeah. to the end of certain years, which depending on how well they do will mean their qualifications yeah. for the next team or where they go to from here. I mean, it's, it's a complete write-off. And, and I'm sure as an under-21 coach or, or someone that, that manages the youngest side, it must be incredibly mm. frustrating to see a year just disappear like that. Yeah. Derek, that's exactly it. Uh, I think, you know, for me, I, 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 lockdowns affected everyone. You know, we all we all facing our own different challenges. But I look at schoolboy hockey at junior age group, and, and as you say, basically just age group sports in general. And 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 to see this year just being taken away from a lot of players is, is sad. But uh, as you say, I, I'm very excited to to see that African hockey 
um, has, has, has looked ahead and, and uh, made sure that next year's tournament uh, still allows the current group who unfortunately would have missed out to, to take part. Now the, the, the situation and, and, uh, and the decisions fall back onto us as the coaching staff with the selection panel in terms of how now the dynamic of the team definitely has to be re-looked at because um, now with, with the tournament moving to next year, the gap between that African qualifier and the actual Junior World Cup becomes shorter. So it's, it's decisions we need to make in terms of how much we're we, we looking at disrupting the team with those under-22s moving on after the tournament next year and so on. So it's a tricky time, but I'm, I'm really, really happy for, that, for those players that uh, will fortunately be able to, to still be part of the, of the, of the setup, which had started already. So for us to just have had to exclude them because of uh, of the pandemic would have uh, really been sad. Yeah, it's it's really good news. And I'm really chuffed to hear. And I mean, you mentioned the word disruptions. And I, I suppose if they can get over a year like this, uh, next year will be a cakewalk, yeah. a, a cakewalk in terms of the, 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 the minuscule amount of times between uh, qualifying and tournaments, etc. I mean, that that's small fry compared to missing an entire year and having to sit back and twiddle your thumbs and say, think of what, what, what could have been. Absolutely, tough. That's uh, Derek. So that's exactly what we we've been actually saying on our on our weekly chats, and uh, I've been trying to to keep the guys positive. And we've all gone through experiences where, in hindsight, when you look back at them, you go, you know what? What I'm going through now is actually not so bad. Uh, I've been through worse, and uh, and that that's really as a coaching staff something we've been we've been trying to drive into the players to say, as frustrating as everything is at the moment, which it is really. Um, but I think when, when everything uh, gets going next year and all the, the, the challenges and disruptions that we might possibly face, uh, we, we've been through a more challenging time under this lockdown. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, I was accidentally on mute there. I'm busy having a conversation with myself. Um, Six, so obviously you spent a lot of time coaching uh, schoolboys and, and you were talking about schoolboy now. Um, some great memories from your time at Kuzni. Um, and some yeah. great traditions and stuff. But what's it been like, obviously, having your day-to-day involvement more now at a university level than a schoolboy? How has that changed gone for you? Yeah, uh, very different. Uh, but I'll say for me, for the better, uh, to be honest, I, I, I'm a very, I like to believe anyway, a big part of my coaching is about interacting with my players and, uh, and really being hands-on with not just their hockey, but off the field and, the, and you know just their personal lives really um, and I, I try to implement that approach at schoolboy level which I thought I, I reached a, a very good uh, balance and I, and I really do believe that uh, my relationship with my players back at school was was really strong uh, through that effort but uh, you know at schoolboy hockey there's always that dynamic I was in there just as, as the hockey coach not so much involved with the boys on a day to day 8 to 2 p.m. routine uh, so I'd just see the boys, you know, from 3 to 5 p.m., whatever the slot was, and then on a Saturday. So it was obviously always hard to build those personal, interpersonal relationships. Although, like, as I said earlier, I do think we were able to reach it. And so the comparison to now, university level and, and, and being up at tax, it's, it's very different. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm in the office from uh, 9 to 4 p.m., so that people often ask, what, what do you guys do uh, in the office? And I go, well... This is exactly it. You know, we're very open to our players coming in, chatting, sitting down, and and just uh, building those relationships. So I've found that the move now 
uh, has helped me personally to, yeah, to reach that uh, balance that I've always tried to look for and, and, and opened up more time on a daily basis to, to interact and, and just get to understand my players and for them to understand me as well. So I, I definitely am finding the environment at the moment much more uh, conducive, I'd say, to, to my approach uh, of coaching. And, and what would you say is uh, the major cultural difference between KZN hockey and Northern Gauteng or even Gauteng <laughs> hockey that you've experienced? Uh, yeah, two stand out, uh, you know, things that just straight away as you move to a new province, you go, wow, okay, this is different. Um, one, I'll honestly say, first of all, my upbringing and my background in KZN hockey was amazing. And I, and I owe a lot of who I am really uh, to KZN hockey and, and, and the mentors and people I had around me over my, my school days, playing days, and, and obviously up until my coaching days when I finished off with the Raiders group. But uh, I must say that the, the environment up in Pretoria at times that I found has been a, a very professional setup, um, which I guess at the end of the day, we all chasing as, as a code in South Africa, just trying to professionalize uh, our sport. And I found that the support and the backing from, from uh, management, you know, the, the, the facilities that, that I have uh, at hand have allowed for, for the program to be run at a, at a, at a more professional, at a more, uh, daily routine, set routine uh, than, I, than I was used to down and down in KZN. Uh, yeah, so that was my first experience seeing that uh, and seeing the drive towards setting up a professional environment. And then the second one obviously has to be just the hockey. Uh, there's definitely, definitely differences. And I, I mean, I look across the whole country when back from my playing days till now as a coach. And I do have this belief that all of us in our different regions, uh, provinces across the country, play a different brand of hockey. Um, and I've definitely experienced that. It was a, a quite a, an exciting challenge, I must say. Uh, starting off last year with, with, my, with my Tux group, and then uh, subsequently to that, I, I was fortunate to coach to the Northerns on the 21 side. But uh, yeah, to try and impose my beliefs, my philosophy around the game, which large, a large part of it uh, is obviously based off what I know uh, for, back from KZN. So that's been an awesome challenge. And I think I've finally reached a place where we've been able to integrate both uh, brands of hockey. Um, and I do, so the, to answer your question, so I think the differences are, uh, <laughs> well, what I was introduced to when I arrived there last year was Northerns have more of a, a very direct, uh, aggressive approach to, to, to the game on the field, where I'd say maybe the, the, the KZN setup is more, structured um, and more patient in terms of uh, how we got, went about the game. But it's been awesome trying to integrate those two philosophies and uh, and finding the balance. Sickly, you, you mentioned mentors. Can you talk us through a bit more, expand a bit to who they would have been or, or are? Yeah, still are. Um, I, I played for, when, in my university days, I went to UKZN in, in, uh, in Durban and I played for a coach by the name of Brendan Carolyn. Uh, BC to the to most of us in the hockey circles. Um, so he was my coach for four years, and I, I do believe that my passion towards from playing towards coaching definitely would have come through my my relationship and interactions that I had with BC. So yeah, he's he's someone I still uh, 
tap into now. He's based in Ireland. He's done some work with the, with a senior Irish men's team. He does some co- uh, consulting with some of the Malay, uh, the Asian team. So someone who's definitely still current. Um, like I said, was my coach, but uh, I, through him, I definitely developed the whole you know tactical appreciation to the game and just the whole professional approach to to the game itself. Um, so he's someone who he's my go-to guy. Um, and then, yeah, more recently, I think uh, I've had the opportunity to to work with one of our previous uh, national men's coaches, uh, Fabian Gregory. Um, and just I, I played for Fabian, and then in, in recent times, I was able to actually work with him in a coaching environment. And and his work ethic for me uh, uh, was second to none. So those are two, I'd say, standout uh, personalities that I, I've been able to, I, I believe, have kind of shaped the type of coach I am today uh, and, and fortunately still still able to call on them uh, at any time. Uh, and then finally, I mean, someone I spent five years with at Kersney College was Wayne Marsden. Um, more, Wayne, just more of a father figure, you know, in my, in my youth, which I still am, so it's scary to say in my youth when I look back at things. Um, but Wayne Marsden was someone who really was more of a father figure. Uh, in my younger days of coaching, I was getting a bit of trouble here and there, uh, and a lot, I definitely received a lot of guidance uh, in, in in terms of how to approach and go about things uh, around the hockey circles itself. So there are those three guys come to mind, and uh, but I mean, listen, uh, so many more Adele Matson, uh, who I spent years with uh, at Matson Hockey Academy down in Kloof, down here in Durban, um, Charlie Pereira, and so on and so on, so many. I can I can imagine he's he's younger than you, but um, would your brother have maybe had some sort of effect on 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 your on your lifestyle, on your career, on your hockey goals, etc.? I mean, granted, uh, he can he'll definitely say that about you, but uh, does it work <laughs> yeah. the other way around? Um, it it definitely does, uh, Derek. I think of you know, and then I've had the pleasure to to work with him in a, in a lot of our domestic teams that we're involved with, whether it be provincial hockey um, and now more recently obviously being involved with him with the, in the national setup. But uh, of course, you know, there's so many things that I look at my brother who is much younger than me. I think, I mean, Bills is about seven years younger than me. So to think that, uh, you know, I, I would look at, at his behaviors and, and, and certain ways that he goes about the game and learn from um, some might think that not the way it goes, but 100%. I mean, Bill, his drive and, and professionalism and, and determination, all the uh, adjectives, I guess, that I can throw at him um, in, inspire me and uh, and drive me as well to, to, to keep pushing uh, and, 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 and working really hard towards uh, being successful at what we're doing. So, yeah, there's, I, I hope it works both ways. I, I know he said some nice things about me in the past, which is really awesome to hear. But uh, it definitely goes both ways. There's, there's behaviors that he goes about his hockey that I look at and I go, even in my coaching setup, I can implement these things and uh, and, and make it work. Sigza, uh, you, you mentioned that you've worked alongside your, your book now on the national uh, things. Let's go through uh, the national teams that you have uh, coached and chat about each. So obviously you were the head coach of the SA Under-18 Hockey Fives and you went through to the African Cup of Nations Let's first talk about the elation of, of going through to that tournament and winning it. Yeah. Uh, what an experience. I must have stopped there. Uh, and then let me explain this experience. Um, I've been, besides the national teams, every team I've been involved with, I've honestly yeah, I've got memories that 
will will live with me forever. Um, and and all for different reasons. And that under active farm team that we took to Algeria in 2018, um, you know, I get goosebumps just just reflecting quickly back on that because all these boys are now part of my under 21 setup. So even even just that dynamic is, is really special to me already. But um, we went to Algeria, yeah, in an attempt to qualify for the Youth Olympics uh, in, in Argentina later that year. And yeah, I mean, it was all, as I said, it's an Olympic cycle. You're building towards the Olympics and we had good prep uh, back in South Africa. Uh, we had our send-off ceremony in Joburg where we were really, really treated professionally um, you know, in, our, in the whole send-off by Staspark, you know. And then we... Then we arrived in Algeria, and I must be honest and say, if ever I've learned through a challenge uh, of pushing through and putting your head down and, and uh, not getting the top hand and the objective was Algeria. Uh, from our landing uh, and the two and a half to three weeks that we spent there was really, really difficult. And uh, that's me being well, honest. We stayed in what was to be the the, the village uh, as we all know all these um, games you, you accommodated in, in villages um, and really was far from any type of village we'd ever understood an olympic or, or uh, african uh, qualified village to to be like so it was very challenging uh, from that front our venue was about on a daily basis we were about spending about two to two and a half hours on the bus one way uh, so that's about five to six hours on the bus daily just to the venue to train or to obviously then when the tournament kicked off to, to play. Um, and then obviously the weather, you know, the heat. But that, that, that comes with sport in general. But it was a very challenging uh, journey, which uh, was a, a learning point for me because the one thing I definitely took away from that was just the, the mental strength and, uh, and focus of that player group that we took with us. Uh, I still, to, to this day, have a huge amount of respect for those boys because at stages, you know, as, as a coach, you you meant to be driving this whole, you know, put the external factors aside and let's focus on the goal, the task at hand. And uh, and at times, maybe I forgot that and the, and the boys were able to, to pull me back in, in direction. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so it was challenging on and off the field. But, yeah, we were fortunate enough to, to sneak through in the final and win it. And then, unfortunately, we, we didn't get the ticket. Uh, we we, we we got the ticket, but uh, then coming back home, we, we weren't sent to, to the Olympics, which was a pity. But uh, still an experience, uh, nonetheless. Yeah, Sig, so let's talk about that reasoning quick. I mean, because many people, obviously, uh, the hockey community obviously have a lot of distaste for Sascock at times. Uh, but this yeah. one actually isn't a Sascock ruling. This is an IOC yeah. ruling that says only one gender yeah, team yeah. can go for each uh, for each uh, country. And of yeah. course, the challenge that we have here in South Africa is that only our girls' hockey team qualifies. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And the boys, so unfortunately, you're up against rugby sevens. That was it. Uh, um, and I think, and I must give credit to to, to Sascock in, the, in that aspect because everything before we left was very clear. Um, so it wasn't like it was only when we returned, you know, when we told that, oh, by the way, this is the whole dynamic and you guys now don't get to go. We knew, we knew that uh, our ladies or our girls at that time had a very good chance uh, because they were the only uh, female team sport uh, 
trying to qualify. So all they had to do, and they knew it, and we all knew it, and, and we were very, and we still today very happy that the girls got that opportunity to travel um, after they qualified. But they knew that all they had to do was win their tournament, uh, and they had the ticket. We knew, and and it was a very, and knowing how strong our seven setup is in this country, uh, we also were very honest uh, in in knowing that listen, if they qualify, they most likely will be sent because it would be giving two different codes an opportunity, knowing that our girls already would be going. Uh, it, it really, if we're honest, would only be fair to expose as many different codes to that opportunity as opposed to sending two hockey teams, send one rugby team and one hockey team. So it's still disappointing and sad, but uh, it wasn't a surprise. It was something that we had been briefed about uh, before actually part, uh, taking uh, part in the, in the qualifiers. Yeah, and then and then of course your next level up, uh, having coached the under 18s, you were recently uh, appointed as the under 21 head coach. Um, we know that uh, Neville Rothman had stepped down, and uh, many people had actually said that you probably should have got the, the role up front, being involved in the senior team. I will talk about that next. But uh, what was that feeling like when you got formally appointed as the under 21 head coach? Oh. Um, yeah, firstly, I must say that, um, uh, yeah, initially, of course, it was disappointing for me that uh, I originally didn't get the post. Um, but I'd always said that I know Neville really well. I've worked with Neville and I'd always said it, it, in my disappointment, I still did believe that uh, he, he was good enough for the job. So either way, you know, the boys were getting were getting someone who I did believe could do the job. So. Yeah, when uh, he did then step down and, and then I did get the call and formally uh, get appointed. For me, the biggest drive uh, to be part of this cycle now with the under-21 group was just my, my, my history with, the, with this current group. Uh, I did and I still do believe that I was the best candidate for it. But obviously, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the panel had their different views and that's absolutely fine and I respect that. But um, I've, I've been part of... You know, I was the former S under 16 coach uh, for four years. So, if I look at our current squad of 45 boys now, I'd say 90 plus percent of that group has come has worked with me from under 16 through that five set up in under 18 and and up until now. So, my personal belief was that I did know that group better than anyone else. Um, but that's once again, that's just my opinion. So, yeah, now to be formally working with them again, I, I, I realized that. Um, you know, those relationships and that dynamic as we've literally just hit the ground running. We got together for the first time in January. Obviously, they spent the whole of 2019 under Neville and his coaching staff. Uh, so coming in, my, one of my concerns was that, uh, you know, African qualifiers are in 2020 and we've, I felt that 2019 had been wasted, if I must be honest. Uh, but having worked with the boys now at, uh, since the beginning of January, I do feel that our history... Um, and a large contingent of those boys are based in Kharteng, so I do get to work with them really on a, a regular basis. Uh, my previous history of being in KZN and, and, and the KZN group, uh, a large part of the Western Cape players have come through, as I've said before, under 16 age groups. It's, I do, yeah. So at the moment, things are going well. Um, I'm excited. We, we've got a good thing going. We've got a good squad going. We At the moment, under lockdown, we, we're meeting weekly, and it's it's really all positive at the moment obviously we will have challenges along the way and i think one of the biggest challenges will be 
leaving players out because I, I've said this. Another reason I've, I, I did put my name forward for this job because I do believe that this age group is one of the most talented age groups I've personally ever seen. So one, that, that was one of the reasons I was looking forward to working with them. So it will be very tough to, 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 to select this team uh, and leave players out. And, and, and only go with 18 because I do think everyone that's in the squad and possibly even players that aren't in the squad but in this age group it's a, it's a very uh, there's a lot of depth Yeah I'm glad you mentioned uh, Neville I've known Neville for years we all PE boys and I was actually at school mm. um, with his wife Leah so I've known them for many many years and uh, yeah, he's uh, just yeah. on the road uh, from us now over at Uffy, so a massive change of scenery going yeah. from Stellenbosch to, to the heart of Pretoria. But um, <laughs> yeah. and I'm glad you ended off saying, speaking about uh, one of the most uh, incredibly talented groups of people that you, you've encountered in terms of the, the current squad. Because I, I always think whenever it comes to age group level uh, sports, you, you always talk about certain generations where this generation yeah. you can see they're going to go far. And um, I mean, you've already said half of it, but, but would you say this, this current generation that you're currently overseeing, um, they're right up there with, with the best that you have encountered? For me, absolutely, Derek. Um, and, and, uh, and, uh, and honestly, that's all, as I said earlier, 2019 was a bit difficult for them uh, in terms of results. Tyron would know, uh, you know, they were part of the whole PHL uh, to- uh, tournament and they, and they really struggled with the results. Uh, they then improved. They did much better when they went across to senior RPT towards the end of 2019. So already you could see the progress. But but those results put a dent in their in their confidence, and you could see it as as, a, as an outsider, as someone who was coaching against them last year. You could just tell by their body language that there was a lot of doubt uh, within within their their environment. And and a large part of our work with them so far this year has just been to to get them to realise once again the potential they have within their squad. But yeah, uh, Derek, to answer your question, for me, in, in my short experience, um, they're definitely up there with possibly Gareth Ewing's uh, 2016 um, age group. That would be, yeah, my brother and them, Matt D'Souza, that age group. So uh, Ryan Crows, all those boys. Um, so for me, in my recent coaching history and, and playing, yeah, really, and without putting any pressure on them and ourselves as the coaching staff, but uh, if I compare them to the previous two or three cycles, um, they're special. They really are. I'm Cindy Hack, captain of the South African women's indoor hockey team. And you are listening to Hockey the Podcast by Radar Media. You're obviously an assistant coach to Gareth Ewing. You're involved with uh, Mark Hopkins as well. Um, and a lot of those youngsters that you're talking about are coming through and, and uh, uh, yeah. being part of the squad. I mean, firstly, let's talk about the, the the day you first get selected to the national team as an assistant coach. I mean, what what, what is that moment like for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I must be honest. I've always felt uh, that a lot of things um, with my coaching, I've always felt that when that opportunity came it was too soon for me and that's the honest truth uh and hence why you know people close around me the mentors that i spoke about earlier a lot of these decisions i've, I've had to run by them you know when opportunity has come up and i'll go back and uh i'll compare it to when i first got asked to to coach the raiders team in 2015 i, I thought wow that's 
I, I'm not ready for this. Um, and, 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 and running these conversations and, and through people close to me who believe me and I guess reminded me of who I am and, and, you know, and, and what I've done and, and, and the fact that I, I can do this uh, has helped. But uh, going back to the call, Mark Hopkins, yeah, phoned me in uh, mid-2018. So this was also another tricky bit for me because, you know, I felt that the time frame and the timeline towards obviously 2018 was a very busy year and, and very important year with the World Cup at the end of it. Um, and I just thought, wow, to come into a team five, six months away from such an important tournament is, is probably a bit too much. Um, but yeah, chatting to people that are close around me, having that chat with Mark Hopkins himself as the coach um, and, and what he wanted from me in my, in my role made things a lot, a lot clearer. But in terms of a, of a feeling, oh, absolutely, obviously, absolutely no better. No better feeling to know that um, you know, our highest and most senior team, I can add or I've been asked to add some sort of value to driving us in a, in a, in a successful direction, whether that happens or not. Um, but it, 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 it's, an, it's just an honor because obviously someone out there believes that you add value and you can potentially add value at the highest level to, to make our national team better. So I'll always be grateful to Mark Hopkins for that phone call. Um, and yeah, since then, it's just been an awesome journey, um, continuous learning and, uh, and continuous sharing amongst between myself and the players and obviously the, the, the other uh, staff that I've, I've uh, got the opportunity to work with. And of course, you then got to work with Gareth Ewing. And it's just over a year ago that uh, probably was one of the coolest uh, experiences in the past, maybe almost yeah. decade for the SA Hockey Men over in a country yeah. that you, you're already starting to know very well. Uh, in India, where uh, end-to-end pass of the, the field, uh, a move started by Nick Spooner through Billy, through yeah. Owen and Vimby, and finished by Nick Spooner. Um, I mean, firstly, I mean, we've asked Gareth this question, but, but do you remember the emotion of that? And how big a celebration was that knowing then... Um, the significance of that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Tyron, that goosebumps right now. And because for me, <laughs> it was, it really was. And it is my, for me, it's the moment of hockey ever in my whole life. Because it was the goal, it was the game to put us one step away from obviously qualifying for the Olympics. And, and if I had to compare the two tournaments, that series in India and then later on in the year going to Stellenbosch for the African qualifiers. And if I had to say which route was more difficult, and if I'm being honest, I'd say India route was, was tougher, you know, and uh, not saying Africa was tough in its own way later on in the year. But if I, com- if I quickly compare, that was my second time in India and uh, obviously after the World Cup in, in, in 2018. And in 2018, um, the rules were different firstly in terms of the personnel from the coaching staff that we are allowed to be on the bench with the head coach. So no assistant coaches were allowed on the bench with the, with the head coach uh, in 2018. So one of my roles was to look after our penalty corners um, in the 2018 cycle for the World Cup. So I was always positioned in the stands behind the, the goals with the crowd, which was also an experience in its own, an awesome experience to be honest. But I was never with the team on the field uh, in, at the World Cup. And then, yeah, fast forward five, six months later, the rules changed. And, uh, and Gareth had asked me to, 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 yeah, to spend 
the games with him on the bench. So already that was a massive uh, experience. But that goal and that action, as you say, happened obviously directly in front of me on the touchline. And, and all those actions, and it's funny you say that because I actually shared this clip with my under-21 group a, couple, a, a week ago, I think it was. As I said, for me, it's the most significant, the most crazy 30 seconds of my hockey experience. And, uh, and all those actions when Nick Spooner hit that ball through to Owen, I, I must be honest, I don't think Spoons hits the ball really cleanly. You know, he's one of the better technical players we have in the group. But he mishit that ball, and it was a bouncing ball, <laughs> a horrible ball for Owen to pick up. And Owen somehow, and, I, and he would be the first one to admit it, out of 10, he probably would mistrap none of those receives, but he picked that receiver. And so all this is happening moment by moment, you know, and, and, and then Owen finally picks that ball up, and then he turns around and rolls some rubbish ball behind his back, and he knows that as well. And, and, and Bills is able to jump off his feet, and we all don't know how he, he stopped it and, and picked it up and somehow scramble a shot away. And Spooner has come through, as you said earlier, 50, 60 meters up the pitch, and he's the highest person on the field. So just magical moment. Honestly, if, if I look at how we qualified for the Olympics, that is the moment that I, I, I always refer back to. And uh, if that 20, 30 seconds didn't happen, it would be a totally different story. And keep in mind, three, four minutes earlier in that game, uh, uh, the U.S. had missed a, a, a tip-in on, on the far post, open, non-marked player, and he, and he had hit his foot, you know, and we, would, we should have gone 2-1 down, and that's a totally different dynamic to the game. But he missed that, and, and three minutes later, yeah, the rest is history, as they say. What, what was the date of that game again? Can you, gents, remember? Oh. It's literally, as Tyron said, was literally a, exactly a year ago, so it would have been... It was around the 16th. It was around the 16th of June last year. 16th of June. Okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to find that voice note again, Ty. It's got to be on some year. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> no, so, so what happened was Ty and I had been obviously following the game uh, on TV. Yeah. Uh, we weren't together though, so we were just commenting to each other nonstop on WhatsApp. And as soon as yeah. that goal went in, I got a voice note from Ty. Uh, celebrating the achievement, <laughs> and uh, and rightly so, it was it was a phenomenal effort. But uh, we have played it on the show yeah. a couple of times, but it never gets yeah. old. But I, I will find it just now. Um, but I mean, you, you've had you've had a lot of highlights. Uh, you mentioned that, but uh, from a personal point of view, uh, looking at the PHL and your record with the Drakensberg Dragons. Oh yeah, that's a special team, that Derek, uh, and only because we've gone through everything together. You know, and it's. I always say to the to the guys now when we talk about it, everything is funny in hindsight. <laughs> it's not funny in the moment when things are going wrong and, and challenging. But uh, yeah, so it, I started the first year of PHL in 2016. I was very, once again, fortunate to be given the opportunity to, to, to coach uh, the Dragons. Um, and, and I honestly believed that, and throughout all the four years, I've always believed that we've been able to put together one of the better teams in terms of personnel and, and, and selecting it at the draft and putting it together. So we went into 2016 very confident. Um, I was very confident of my group. And we played really good hockey. We, we really, really played good hockey. And the stats proved that. You know, when we always look back at our game, we had more possession. We had more shots on goal. We had more penalty corners. But we didn't score the goals. And I guess at the end of the day, that's where the results go. You have to score the goals. So we... We came lost, stone lost in 2016, and we finished sixth. Um, and then that hurt a lot. <laughs> but 
But then, uh, yeah, we came back in 2017 and all of a sudden our performances uh, um, were backed by the results and we were able to push on and, and get into a final. So from finishing last the year before to then getting into the final in 2017 was in, a, in its own way, disappointing to lose the final, of course, but it's a massive improvement. Um, and then, yeah, and then 2018, 19 has also just been magical to, to be able to, to win the two tournaments. Um, but like I say, it's, 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 it's a chuckle now. It's a bit funny when I look back at 2016 and think how badly we did results-wise uh, to where we are and the type of group we are now. But we've also been lucky. We've been able to keep, well, not, I wouldn't say lucky, but uh, we, it, it's worked really well for us. And we've been able to keep a good core of our, of our squad. I think if I look across all the PHL franchises, um, we've definitely been very consistent um, with our personnel and, and we've become a team, which is very challenging for PHL because obviously you don't spend a lot of time together. So uh, I look at a, big, a large core of our squad and we've been together for four years now. So that, that helps as well. And, and obviously this year's PHL is, is uh, not f- officially been called off yet, but it is in all likelihood not going to happen this year. Yeah, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say or stuff on that. Yeah, so, uh, no, I'm with you, sir. <laughs> but uh, now being involved with the under-21s, obviously you will be uh, seconded to the Golden Gate Gladiators uh, should yeah. should the current model um, play out. I mean, how would that feel, playing against the Dragons and uh, taking <laughs> on um, um, your old, your old uh, team with a new one? Yeah, <laughs> um, it, obviously I've, I've, I've thought about this at length and I know that my Dragons players have thought about it as well. And I, and I think we both have the same approach to it. So they, they're so excited to, to play against now the Gladiators that's going to be coached by me and they cannot wait to obviously get the results against us and, and, and beat us and vice versa. And I, I cannot wait to do the same thing. But um, I am looking forward to it. It is sad. Let me just stop by saying that it is sad to to move on from the dragons um as i said just now i've spent four years with them and uh, and we've been really consistent with our personnel so we have become a real team um but yeah uh, you know a job has to be done and and this is sport people move on and uh I, i'm looking forward now to working as i said earlier with this with this under 21 side known as the gladiators at phl uh, they didn't have a great experience last year and as I said, I definitely do believe they're better than that. So my my aim and goal for this year's PHL is and was that we 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 win we win PHL because I do believe that the Gladiators have the personnel to do that. Um, and what would be nice would probably be playing the Dragons in the final. That would uh, make me really happy. All right, uh, Six. Obviously. Um... You know, uh, in these, uh, sorry. Don, <laughs> I don't know where this audio clip is. Okay. Okay. Are you still looking for it, Derek? <laughs> yeah, I am, and and it's weird. I mean, we've uh, we went, uh, I went to the exact date. I mean, we we're chatting to each other nonstop. Now I've got the exact date here. It was the fourteenth yeah. of June. 2019. Oh, wait a minute. I think I might be able to find it. It was in the other group. Oh, was it? I think it was in the radar group. Oh, okay. Okay, let's see. 14th of June. Um, Uh, Sorry, Sigs, you've got to listen to it. It's it's worth a... Actually, it could very well be. 
There we go. Yeah. Uh, okay, Fortnite June. Mm, where is this thing? Yeah, if, no, it, if it takes me back to that moment, then I'm, I'm more than willing to hear that. <laughs> no, it was a beaut. Uh, it, it really was an, an incredible moment. And, um, I mean, just, just in terms of Olympics, while we do do that, I mean, uh, you know, a, a postponement from a year. Uh, we chatted to Gareth Ewing regarding it. I mean, he says, like, if anything, you know, it obviously does help with preparations for that. But, I mean, it must be disappointing yeah. on one end, the fact that we've got to wait another whole year. But on another, I mean, yeah, it just means an extra year, like he said, to to get better. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Uh, and, and, and Gareth has been driving that with the senior team a lot. And, and I couldn't agree with them more on that, on that approach. Uh, you know, for us, we, we normally are, are limited with contact time as a squad. Uh, that's one thing we definitely believe we don't get enough of. Um, so, yeah, the extension can only mean one thing. It can only mean that we, we have more opportunity to, as exactly as he said, an extra, an extra 12 months to, to yeah, prepare better um, uh, towards 2021. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely the approach that we've adopted from a mindset and being positive about it. But, yeah, on the other side, you obviously can't ignore that right now would be, you know, the, the start of it all. Um, and, and everyone had built up over the last three, four years to this moment. So the disappointment is there. Uh, but I think, yeah, Gareth has been really good with the players in terms of just reassuring them that, um, you know, everyone is still part of the process. Um, nothing changes with the whole timeline. Um, so, so the players, I think, are still very motivated to, to, to work towards that. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it, it just really is what it is as a, situ- as a scenario. But, of course, disappointing. But I, I do believe that we, we're definitely not going to lose anyone over the next 12 months. So I'm, I'm very confident that uh, we, all we can take out of this is just the extended contact time that we can potentially get, to, uh, get together as a squad a bit more often uh, before June, July next year. Okay, so the reason why South Africa will be uh, participating at the World Cup has a lot to do with uh, how they did over in India with that matchup against the USA. Yeah. Managed to find the clip. Okay, first and foremost, myself and Ty were conversing with each other nonstop on WhatsApp. As soon as that goal went in from Spooner, I sent this to him. Yes! And that, Come on! And then that was a load of nonsense. And then Tyron summed it up a bit better. Come on! Yes, man! <laughs> what a wonderful that was the feeling that was the feeling so tell us honestly the, the, the celebrations that yeah. evening how did they go <laughs> uh, Derek we still had a final to play that was only a semi-final eh? so <laughs> we, we were still mid-tournament um, but and that's another thing I think uh, the, you know I've been part of the senior team now for the last I'd say yeah, two years probably, exactly two years. And the one aspect that under, under Gareth now and the, and the leadership group, the, the, the environment is very, very um, not calmer, but more open and, and we're just trying to enjoy the journey and everyone and the space around us. And yeah, we were still, we still had a final to play, but we definitely had to enjoy that moment. So, and that really started from the change room before we got back onto the bus, back to the hotel. Um, and and yeah, we had a good. We, we've been lucky. We've been able to stay at the same hotel uh, during the World Cup in 2018, and then we were back there again, obviously mid 2019. So 
the staff at the hotel, uh, Mr. Priya, the hotel manager, it, it, it honestly became a home away from home. So by the time we get back to the hotel, there's, there's a massive party or crew waiting for us to celebrate in our, in our, in our success. Uh, very different, of course, to our experience in 2018. So I think the whole hotel staff were, were more happy for us. Uh, that we finally were able to come back to the hotel with a win under our belt. So it was an awesome evening, but uh, definitely didn't get out of hand because we still had that final to play against India. Um, but yeah, definitely after the India final, uh, it was it was different uh, type of celebration. <laughs> Which is very, uh, very unhockey of us, eh? behaving well <laughs> on tour. Uh, Six, obviously... Uh, Across all the, the hockey, the podcast uh, interviews, we do have the one question quiz. And uh, the one question is either related to your name, your career, or something significant in your life, or, or alternatively, nothing significant at all. Completely yeah. irrelevant. But I thought, what better place? You've been a massive role model to him. He spoke very highly of you. So I'd like to know, Billy Intuli scored his first international goal against which country? Oh, I'm going to say it would have, I I, I think I can go with the venue first and that that will hopefully, you know, allow me to to the team. Uh, His breakthrough and his debut series would have been in Cape Town uh, at a summer series in Cape Town. I'm, uh, I'm just going to go with it and say he scored against Belgium in Cape Town. So, his first series, he did make his breakthrough against, um, he, sorry, his debut came in 2016 yeah. as a, a against Ireland and Spain, but he didn't get a goal there. Okay. He then played... Um, Two brief appearances against Germany, but did not get a goal. He was then the top goal scorer at the under-21 African Cup. That doesn't count. And then he played in another summer series in Cape Town, playing four of the six games. Spain? He played against Netherlands, and then he played against Belgium and scored his first goal against Belgium. So, I'm right. You are correct. Yeah, no, you made me think that you went. You, <laughs> I got the wrong series, yeah, but I got the team. <laughs> you did. You get it right. You win yourself a hockey the podcast virtual cap. You can put it on. Oh, whenever you feel like it. Uh, yeah, it we'll, really we'll make a plan for that. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm just stoked I got it right. I wouldn't have heard the last of that one. No, that's superb. Well done. There, I mean, we keep on speaking about how a few succeed. And, uh, yeah, you're one of the few. I think we've had a, a fairly poor success rate of late, eh, Ty? No, very poor success rate of late. Although, um, you know, we, we have had queries into the quality of our questions. So I think we've been making, <laughs> uh, them, really, we've been making them really hard because of the lockdown sports quiz that we do. Listen, there's absolutely nothing wrong with your questions. I think Oak is just making excuses. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 Sickler, the, the, the other thing that why, if you do succeed in getting it right, 
Um, we actually do have a prize. You, you get an immediate invite into the Lockdown Sports Quiz. So I don't know if you've seen or heard of it. Okay. We've been hosting it every Tuesday evening. And yeah. we've yeah. had the creme de la creme of the hockey world uh, involved. We've had sportsmen and women from uh, around the globe from various different sports yeah. taking part. It's the place to be on a Tuesday night. So we would love to have yeah. you involved uh, in, in, in a future Tuesday night event. Would you be keen? Absolutely, guys. I back my sports trivia 100%. That oh. would be awesome. I'd love that. Oh, there we go. Done. Well, there. No, no virtual cap for you. It's a, it's a virtual invite for a physical event. Invite. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Derek. <laughs> Zickler, thank you so much, man. It's been so great having you on. Absolute pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thanks for. Yeah, it's, uh, I think if I look at my time here, just under an hour. Um, I was holding you down to those four hours you promised me, Derek. But uh, no, yeah. the, this is just uh, the, the end of the first quarter. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the, that's the introduction done. Yeah. First tracker out the way. Exactly. No, guys, honestly, thanks for having me. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, awesome hour sharing and just reliving some of those memories. Oh, lovely. And uh, yeah, may your career go from strength to strength. It, it already has in, in many, many ways, but uh, we know for absolute fact that there's plenty more to come from uh, Sikla and Tuli. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Cool. Cheers, Sikla. Bye. Bye. So, goodbye to another great guest there tonight. Yeah, we're on to episode, can you believe that, 46, guest number 55. I mean, it's frankly ridiculous, but it's it's bloody wonderful. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's frankly ridiculous that you know those numbers. I mean, not the episodes, that that's pretty easy to work out. But uh, to actually have a running count of how many guests that we've had, because in, in certain episodes, we've had more than one guest, and that's exactly how it's turned out to be. Uh, you, you've got a spreadsheet about all the say, Ty. Let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> It's the one inside your head. (laughs) It's the one in his head. For those that don't know, well, actually, everyone knows, but Ty is a mathematical genius. Please tell us once again your your TV debut back in the day. Yeah, back in the day, before I ever got to appear on uh, Sunrise on ETV, um, I was on a word or two with uh, good old Jeremy Mansfield and William Smith. Um, and just to fully understand the level of nerd that I, I, I am and was, I was very, very excited to meet William Smith. I was just disappointed that um, he didn't have Smarties with him because <laughs> if you remember correctly, we used to watch on yes. TV with the Smarties. Yeah, the learning, the learning Channel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, it was a little bit of a, a broken uh, illusion. There was no Smarties. He just did the maths on a piece of paper. But it was uh, such a cool experience and uh, you know, one that I get to talk about a little bit more often than I ever thought I would. And how old were you? I was about 13. Jeez, amazing. And, and you went all the way to the final? No, no, no. I lost. I, I, I was winning. I won an episode and I, on my second episode, which left me one short of the knockouts, um, I lost a lady on the conundrum. Um, which a lot of people haven't let me forget is because the conundrum was years and years of cricket and the answer was centuries. Yeah. As they turned the conundrum, she was like, stop and got it. And I think I'd been like eight, eight points ahead. And uh, she, she got it and she went through and she ended up winning the whole season. So it was okay. But um, yeah, it was... 
a very cool uh, very cool experience at that at that point in my life. Yeah, no doubt. Well, uh, a, word, a word or two's loss is definitely Hockey the Podcast's gain. Um, no no question of telling where you would have gone into there. Maybe you would have ended up being the next William Smith and host of the show. Uh, so we, we're glad to rather have you here than not there. But uh, Ty, it's been great as always. And, and what a guest. So thoroughly impressed by Sikle. And uh, yeah, I think your next challenge is to find a guest who hasn't been related to any of our previous guests. Oh, that's very possible. <laughs> <laughs> because I actually chatted with next week's guest uh, today. Oh, done. So, 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 so we won't be expecting a fourth right or a third in Thule. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Lovely shot, tight. All right. Cheers.